My name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside. Welcome to all of you, especially welcome to you guys here, Mornay, Louise, Emma, and Alana. Thanks for being here. And welcome to those of you who are joining us online. I want to take a look this morning with you at a passage of Scripture, one of the Psalms, Psalm 55. It's a psalm that was written by David. We've been looking at uh, quite a bit this summer at the life of David through First Chronicles, and we've seen David's amazing successes, but this is something that occurs. Uh, David writes this psalm. He prays this prayer at a time later on in his life after he's had a lot of success, but as he goes through well, one of the most difficult periods in his life, he goes through a really difficult time, and David is struggling, and that's what this psalm is going to represent. That's what this psalm is going to teach us about, about how we, how we make it through those times when it's really difficult, when it's really painful. Before we get to that, and we'll go through it verse by verse and so on, but before we get to it, I want to recognize that I think it's pretty safe that for each and every one of us who's here this morning, there are just some times when we want to run away. We've all had those occasions in our lives where we just feel overwhelmed. We feel pulled in a hundred different directions. We feel like we don't know where we're supposed to go. We have too much to do and not enough time to do it, too many kids to pick up and not enough time to get all the things done, and we just want to quit. We just want to quit. We just want to run away. We want to go someplace where nobody knows our name, right? Where nobody calls on us, where nobody pays us any attention. Sometimes it's, it's, it's a problem with bills, right? Uh, the car breaks, and that's $2,000, and then the water heater breaks, and that's another $4,000. And then we're told we need to get a new roof. We start to say, how can I? I just want to quit. Okay, God, enough. Sometimes it's the kids. The teacher calls from school. Not this has ever happened with our kids. <clears throat> um, the teacher calls from school and said, you know what, um, Ron and Tammy, you might want to try this with Jake. We said, we tried everything with Jake, okay? Nothing works, okay? We're just praying at this point. We've tried meds, no meds. We've tried tough love and soft love. We've tried everything. Don't try to tell us what to try. Fine. You want him, he's yours. Fix him if you want. Now, I do love Jake. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have used his name directly, but you know, I mean, right? Sometimes it's the kids. Sometimes it's just the culture and all the frustration of that. Sometimes it's somebody who lets us down, right? Somebody who was a, on our team, a friend, but then they betray us. And we want to run away. We want to just hoist the right flag. We want to quit. A number of years ago, Barbara Johnson wrote a book, and it, uh, it actually sold quite a few copies, but the title was, Where Does a Mother Go to Resign? Where, where do I get off the train? How do I... Sometimes we literally want to run away. I dream sometimes, not often, about a little church in Iowa with not very many people, but lots of, of people who are farmers who give me beef all the time. <laughs> I dream about that sometimes, right? Sometimes we literally want to run away, but sometimes we just want to check out for a while, right? You, you just want to quit, and so you turn on Netflix and you binge watch for 17 hours. You go to the mall and you walk around and you just try to escape from everything else. You go online. I, I, I've had situations where I've had to deal with a fallout from somebody who just wanted to get away and ran into the arms of someone not his spouse, right? Because he just wanted to, and it wasn't so much love over here, it was just, I, I just need to get away from this. Sometimes we want to run away. Sometimes it just feels overwhelming. Sometimes it feels like it's too much. And sometimes kings experience that. King David felt like he run, wanted to run away. As I said, this occurs later on in his, his ministry, later on in his time as king. I mean, he had, he's already poured his heart and soul into being the king. 
And, and, and he's been successful at it. We talked this summer again following Chronicles about how David took Israel from this really small, inconsequential nation, and he made it into really a large kingdom and had powerful influence over so many different places. David had poured his heart and soul into these people and trying to be faithful. Yeah, he'd made his mistakes, but, but he was God's anointed one. And he had been so loved. And now he's 55, 60 years old. And, and now it, it feels like it's all falling apart. It's not supposed to happen at this point in his life. He's supposed to not just sit back and relax and enjoy the fruit of his labor. He's supposed to be able to just kind of let everything go really well for him. A big part of the problem for David was his son. His son Absalom, you might remember that name from the Bible. But Absalom was in uh, rebellion, and not teenage rebellion, not just kind of, I hate you, mom and dad. No, this was Absalom as an adult, and he says, I want your throne. I want you dead. And he led a rebellion, an armed rebellion against David and against the leadership there. But as you read through 2 Samuel, this story about Absalom and what happens, you realize there's somebody behind the scenes. There was somebody who was pushing the button, somebody who was calling the car, somebody who was making kings, all right? There's an advisor behind it. And, and what really kills David, I think what really, and, and you'll see it in the psalm, what really damages David is that this person who ran him out, this person who was trying to get rid of him was one of his closest friends, a guy by the name of Ahithophel. Ahithophel was one of David's closest friends. We're told by the chronicler that Ahithophel was the king's, David's counselor. He was his confidant. He poured his heart out. David had told him everything. David had confessed all of his sins. David had told him all of the good things. David had told him all of his fears. And now Ahithophel has turned his back on him. And everybody listens. Samuel tells, in 2 Samuel, we read this. In those days, Ahithophel's advice was considered as valuable as a prophetic revelation. When he spoke, God was speaking. So can you imagine the person who is now spreading lies about you, Ahithophel, is somebody everybody trusts. For those of us who are old enough, this is Walter Cronkite, right? This is somebody who, who, who just, when he speaks, everybody knows he's telling the truth. And everybody is listening, and everybody's paying attention. And, that, and now this guy is just saying, David's not competent anymore. I've been speaking with his son, Absalom. And David just can't handle it. We need to get rid of him. We need to move Absalom. And he's spreading the lies and he's spreading the rumors. And he's advising Absalom what to do. And it got bad enough that David had to leave Jerusalem. He had to leave the capital city, all right. And he went out across the Jordan River. And in some ways, he finds himself in a place where, where he was before he became king. When Saul was chasing him, David's out in the desert living in a cave can't think about it, right? He's 55. He's 60. He's done his time. He's expanded the kingdom. He's heard all the praises of the people. He's been faithful as, well, for the most part, faithful serving God. And now he's living in a king and his son is, in a cave and his son is trying to kill him. And I think David really wanted to ask, where does a king go to resign? Where does a king go when you want to quit? David writes Psalm 55. It's in this place that David writes Psalm 55. It's in that setting. And, 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 I, and one of the reasons this is such a, a, a helpful psalm for me is because it, it's a psalm that says, what do we do when we want to run away? What, what do we do when we're at those times when we simply want to just quit, when we want to hoist the red flag and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm resigning. I'm not going to be a mom anymore. I'm not going to be a dad anymore. I'm not going to be an uncle or an aunt. I'm not going to be a teacher. I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm not going to... When we get to that place where we say, God, I am just done. 
What do we do when we want to run away? David gives us four things. Four things to do, and they involve prayer and talking and talking to himself. And, and one of the things that's interesting with the Psalms, and I'll, I'll point it out as we go through this, but the first thing David does and, is he just pours out his heart to God. This is the majority of it, okay? The majority of this Psalm is a complaint for 15 verses, verses 1 through 15. And, and, he, and he's mostly, this is sort of what's interesting, he's mostly in this section talking to God. And he's just pouring out his heart, and he's just saying, God, this is, I'm just so sick of this. Now, what's interesting is we're so formal in our prayers that we say, oh, yes, that's all you do when you're Now, David's going to talk to other people. He's going to talk to us. He's going to talk to himself. David is just kind of, this is a picture of David's heart as he's dealing with this. And part of what I want to do is give us just that permission to be honest with God. I, you know, we say, well, I can't say that to God because he'll be mad that I'm not trusting him. You can say it. He's big enough to handle it. So David pours out his heart, his pain to God. First thing is, God, this is killing me. God, this is killing me. Verse 1, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. And those are, those are commands to God. God, listen to me. You're not doing anything. You're not taking care of me. This is not going the way it should go. God, I need some answers. And God's like, okay, good. I'm glad you're serious about this. God is not afraid of us having that kind of emotion, that kind of passion, that kind of demand. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked, those rumors that are being spread around, those, those nasty things that are being said, the threats that are made against David and against his people who are loyal to him. And he says, God, I'm just distraught. I am so wiped out. I am so empty, for they bring down suffering upon me. And they revile me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The tears of death have fallen on me. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of words, but he was also afraid for his own life. The tears of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. Can you be that honest in your prayers? I don't, I don't know if most of us can, right? Uh, to say to God, God, horror has overwhelmed I, I know you're God... We always feel, yeah, yeah, no, sit in your struggle, okay? Part of what the Bible teaches us is that it does get really difficult, and it's okay for us to sit in our struggles, and it's okay to us to have times years later when we go back and we just say, God, I am just overwhelmed. God, this is killing me, and God, I want to run away. Verse 6 says this, all right? I said, God, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. If I could just get away, if I could just move to another state, if I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away. He, he wants wings, but not the wings of an eagle. <laughs> I mean, this is David the warrior, and he's like, no, I want a dove. Nobody notices doves. <laughs> doves are not powerful. Doves don't attack. I don't want to attack. I just want to quit. That I had the wings of a dove, I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm. And so David has crossed the, the Jordan River already, and now he wants to go out in the desert. This part of the world there, Jordan right now in today's day, has these kind of structures all over place, these kind of mountains or cliffs or crags, whatever they are. But you notice all those little holes in them. And, and what we could do if we could get a close-up of those little holes is we'd see all sorts of little birds that are just hanging out inside there. David said, I want to be a little bird who's hanging out inside. 
We know that, right? You've had those times. I'll, I'll pick on Kaylee this time. I usually don't pick on my kids this much. I'll start picking on you guys soon. Um, but, but Kaylee was over the other day, and she said, Dad, you know, sometimes I just wish that you could put me in bed and I could be 15 again. And I said, well, you were nicer at 13. Could we go back to that? Could we? But she said, you know, I, right, there are just times when it gets overwhelming. Oh, that I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. God, this is killing me. God, I want to run away. God, it's just too much. God, you know, if you are God, and David starts to get a little frustrated here, God, stop the wicked people. God, do something about this. You know what? I'm your anointed one. You said you would be with me wherever I am, and I've written you songs. And Lord, confound the wicked, confuse the wicked, confound their words, mess them up. They're trying to mess me up. Ahithophel's this great political machine runner. It just confuses words. For I see violence and strife in the city. It's not just me. It's Jerusalem, the city of peace. Shalom, Jerusalem, the city of peace. And there's no peace. Day and night, these people prowl about on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. It kills David to see God's city, Zion, Jerusalem. It's just, God, do something about it. Stop these wicked people. And then David names his deepest pain. And in some ways, this is the deepest pain that any of us can experience, and it's betrayal. And now he starts to talk to, in my view, I think it's Ahithophel. You, my friend, betrayed me. Look at what he says. See if you, your heart doesn't resonate with these words. This is such a powerful statement of betrayal of, in how it works. He, he says this in verse 12. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide, right? If it was the king of Moab, the king of uh, wherever, Jordan, if it was the king of Indies, I would expect them. I expect it, but, but it's you, it's you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend. Man, how could you do this to me? I trusted you. I cried on your shoulder. You held me in my pain. I, I, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. We sat in church together and we worshiped together. How could you do this to me? Betrayal is such, such, I mean, physical pain is horrible and, 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 and so many other things, but, but to have somebody, it just shatters your world because you have to wonder who else is lying to me? Who else is going to take advantage of me? Who can I trust? And it, it just takes away our support system when somebody betrays us. When that friend would cry on his shoulder and, and he tells other people what we're talking about. When an employer... <laughs> who's always pledged loyalty, and we've been there 30 years, that he can save 10 grand a year, so he fires us when we're 60. Or an employee who we've been faithful to, and they steal from us. I, you know, I expect it from some people, but I don't expect it from you. That is deep pain, friends, to be betrayed. And, and, and David, again, I think it's fascinating. He's praying. But it's so overwhelming when he thinks about it. He just has to talk, and it's okay to do that. This happens in counseling. I, I've had it happen a number of times, talking with people. You know, they'll be talking, and then I remember one guy, he, he did about the most spot-on, but it was really unkind, 
he talked the way his wife talked, and he was so, but it was all of a sudden he was in, it was just like he had to be there. This is what I, and I was like, just let it out. And, and we can do that before God. Say, God, this is what I want to say to that person. You, my friend, betrayed me. And he had said, God, stop the wicked. I think thinking about it that directly has him now saying, God, get rid of the wicked. I vote death. Look at what he said. I mean, let death take, them by, take my enemy. Don't just confound their words. Bring them home to you or down to the place of death. But get them away from me. Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead, for evil finds lodging among them. God, I'm done with them. And sometimes it's okay to just pour out our heart that way, to just let God know what we're really feeling. Now, ultimately, we say, okay, but God, they're in your hands, and that's okay. But don't be afraid. I mean, for 15 verses, David has just been pouring out his pain, and that's a big part of what we get to do, of what we need to do. The first thing is just let's pour out our pain when we have it. You need somebody to pour it out to? I've got agreements with several of you. I can handle more. You can, you, some people know they can call me. Just say, okay, I'm going to let go for a while. All right, let her, let her rip, and then I'll let it go too. We need to be able to pour out our pain. We need to be able to let it go. So David pours out his pain to God, then he runs, but he runs to God. And he makes a declaration of faith. This is verses 16 to 21. Uh, all right, and, 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 and this time he's talking to us, but he's also talking to himself. A lot of what we do when we pray sometimes is we talk to ourselves. And, and, and this is what does, and David basically says two things. He's in this cave. He wants to quit, but he says, I know this. God will take care of me. God will in his time and in his way. It's future tense. God will take care of me. As for me, I will call out to God and the Lord. He will deliver me. And, and then the next verse, during the evening, morning, and noontime, I will lament and moan. And he will hear me. This verse is really good news and really bad news. The good news is God's available 24-7. At the nighttime, in the morning, in the middle of the day, God is available 24-7. The bad news is sometimes it takes 24-7 and several 24-7s and several weeks of 24-7s for God to respond. Right? I mean, it's like, oh, good, God's always there, but I'm going to lament and moan, and he will hear me in his time. He will protect me. He will rescue me and protect me from those who attack me even though they greatly outnumber me. I know that God can take care of me. I know that God is big enough. And Mornay, I think about this with you, with worship and for all of us. This is why I think it is so important because worship is where we learn the songs that we will sing when we want to run away. All right? Think about the songs that we were singing. I will call upon the Lord for he is strong enough to save. I will call upon the Lord for he alone is strong enough to say, be still my soul. And what we do when we worship is we sing the songs and we learn the songs that when we are in the cave of our lives, we say, God, I will call on your name. I will call on your name for you alone are strong enough to save. And friends, those are the things that often give us the strength to sustain us. That's why worship matters. That's why singing, I know some of us are not great singers whatever it is to get those words so that when we get to this point like David, we can say, God, I know I will call and you will answer me. I will call out morning, noon, and night, but I know you will answer me in your time and in your way. God will take care of me and God will take care of my enemies. 
I don't need to. God who is enthroned from of old, who does not change, he will hear them and humble them, okay? You don't have to because they have no fear of God. You don't have to make fun of your enemies. You don't have to belittle them. You don't have to be unkind to them. God will take care of humbling them. He will take care of me, and he will take care of my enemies. And, and, and I think David gets a flashback to Ahithophel here because he gets kind of ticked off again, especially the, ones who li- the one who lies all the time. Uh, for verse 20, all of a sudden kind of jumps back into his pain again. Right? My companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. He tells lies. And then you want to talk about betrayal? Look at this. His talk is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. He smiles so sweetly as he's putting a dagger in my back. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. You know people like that. You know people like that. God will take care of your enemies, even the ones who lie all the time. So David runs to God. Only two more, and they're short. Then David invites us to run to God, okay? He turns to us. Verse 22, he's talking to us, and he says, Cast all your cares on the Lord. I've been there. I've been through the best, and I've been through the worst. And from my cave, I tell you, just pour it out. Cast your cares on God, and he will sustain you. Two things. He will sustain you, all right? He'll give you the strength. Not he will, he will make it easy all the time, but he will carry you through. Again, we say it regularly. God doesn't promise to get us out of everything, but he does promise to get us through everything. He will sustain you, and he will not let the righteous be shaken forever. He will not, in the, if you got the New International Version, it stops at shaking. It really needs to have forever there. Because sometimes we are shaken. But the promise of God is it's not going to last forever. When we're in that cave, when we want to run away, it feels like, I don't know when this is going to end. I don't know how long this is going to go on. I don't see any daylight coming. I promise you this. It's coming. The new day is coming. The sunshine is coming. The morning will be here. And it will be glorious, okay? He will not let the righteous be shaken forever but he will make all things new so he invites us to run to God he pours out his pain he he runs to God he invites us to run to God and then he just closes by affirming his trust in God verse 23 and now he's talking to God again but you God will bring down the wicked same two things different order you God will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay the bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days I know you'll take care of my enemies. I'm going to put them in your hands. I'm going to trust that. And and I'm going to just be faithful. And as for me, I trust in you. That's where it ends. I trust in you. I know you will take care of me. David says, okay. He's still in the cave at the end. He's still struggling. There's still a part of him that would like to just chuck it all, but he's ready to stay faithful. He's ready to keep serving. He's ready to keep going because he knows that God will take care of him and God will take care of his enemies and God will rescue him in his time and in his way. And so for all of us, when we want to run away, remember, let's run to our Father, the everlasting Father who has open arms to protect us and to take care of us. Let's pray together. Father, sometimes we do want to quit. Sometimes we just want to throw in the towel. We're so tired. We don't get it right. 
We're tired of not being the parents we should be, of the spouses we should be, of the kids that we should be. We're tired of not having the people around us treat us very well. So, Father, we run to you right now. We run to you. Burn this song into our hearts and into our minds. Burn these words into our hearts and into our minds that you come to us and you hold us so that we can know when we want to quit. We don't have to because you will sustain us. You will not let us be shaken forever. And come quickly, Lord Jesus, and make all things new. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.